You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We are in our relationship series, Love and War. And if you know my story, you know that when it comes to relationships, for most of my life, I was jacked up. Uh, if you don't know me, hi, I am um, Pastor Morgan. I, you may have seen me hanging around here, maybe hanging on a cross in a loincloth singing a rock ballad in Hero the Rock musical, or uh, hanging out in our recovery ministry, leading that ministry with my beautiful wife, Pastor Jenny. Uh, I got to tell you, I had whew, a lot of wrong ideas about relationships, a lot of them. I didn't grow up in church. I lost my faith in God and I lost my faith in the miraculous when I was five years old, when I lost my faith in Santa. And at six years old, I was exposed to pornography for the first time. And I learned how to have relationships through porn, through movies, through most of all song lyrics. And it was a crazy thing. When I got saved, I could recite probably 10,000 songs by, you know, every single word. My mind just works like that. But man, I had a hard time memorizing scripture. And I had so much of the world in me in like quotes from movies and everything else that had led me to expect certain things about relationships. I grew up believing that relationships were about adding to me. When I met my happily ever after, my life would be complete. And I had a lot of expectations about how that person should act and be in my life. So my relationships pretty much looked like I learned how to have relationships in high school, which was a buildup to conquest and then the downward spiral to it not working out. And I did that many, many times. And then things wouldn't work out, which was always the case. And then I would blame the person, the situation, but I would never look at my actions, my expectations, or any of that. It was always something else. So Proverbs 10.28 says, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. I had a lot of expectations, expectations on others and expectations on myself. And I will tell you that unrealistic expectations steal our joy and they steal our future. So I put a lot of faith in my feelings as well. How many know feelings aren't facts? But I believe that feelings were facts. So if it felt good, then it must be good for me, right? Wrong. So I expected because I was smart and capable in some areas that I'd be able to figure out relationships on my own. But I expectations destroyed my relationships and left me in delusion, blaming others. I couldn't even learn from my own mistakes. So I just repeated them over and over. Same person, different name, different body, same relationship over and over and over Again, and it wasn't until I got saved and got into godly community and actually got into God's word and actually started to learn the truth of how I was supposed to be, how life was supposed to look, that my 
life started to change. And it didn't change because I got my actions changed. It changed because God first changed my heart. And then my actions changed eventually. I got healed, got filled with faith, started to learn how things were supposed to look. But before I met my Jenny, a lot of this stuff was just theory. And then I met Jenny. And before I met Jenny, I had done almost all of my relationships wrong. To say that I'd been promiscuous would be generous. (laughs) I had a pretty gnarly sex addiction. And I had dated a sociopath off and on for almost two decades. We dated on and off for eight and a half years and then were off for almost 10 years and then came back on. And that relationship had to die and I had to be healed from it before I met Jenny. But all of the manipulation, all of the rest of it left me in this place that I was so broken that instead of letting my heart get broken again, I went into bisexual relationships, homosexual relationships. And to say that I was jacked up from trying to figure it out on my own would also be very generous. I was a mess. So Before I met Jenny, I had a lot to heal from, but when I met her, we talked about our past and we made a decision to do everything right. Jenny had also not been great in relationships, not nearly like what I had been, but had also not had the most perfect examples from relationships, but we decided that we're not going to sleep together before we get married because that had always been a crutch for me that kept me from developing real intimacy. But when I met her and we didn't have that crutch, we actually had to learn how to be intimate and vulnerable with each other, actually having deep conversations, getting to know each other before we made that commitment to one another. And we did things that put kind of guardrails on it. We weren't hanging out in my bed until like two o'clock in the morning talking about the Bible. Just, you know, just saying. We did make out like kids in high school with some guardrails and we'd stay up like making out in the car until midnight sometimes, but it was like good. It wasn't like, hey, do you want to come upstairs? Maybe you're thirsty after. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. So we actually got to know each other. We fell in love. And then when we got married, it deepened an already firm foundation in our relationship. When we came together in marriage, it wasn't like conquest downward spiral. It was glory to glory to glory. And in the past like seven years that we've been together, my love for her has grown. I have never had a relationship like that before and I needed to actually get my heart changed and healed by God before I met her or I would have wrecked it. So I will get to that. So today we have a healthy relationship, two beautiful kids and there are a lot of couples and single people that come to us for direction because they see the fruit in our relationship. So we get to mentor, we get to talk, we get to work through a lot of things with them that God had to first work through in us to get over those expectations. So today I want to go on a little journey in the Bible. We'll look at some of those expectations and then see what God has to say about them. John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when you've been set by the set free by the church or by the truth, uh, you can do what the great prophet Ice Cube said to do in his letter to the church in Crenshaw. 
Shiggity check yourself before you wreck yourself. So my message today is called Rexpectations. So like I mentioned, I have wrecked many, many, many relationships with expectations. I feel like Paul did in some ways that I feel like I am the chief sinner amongst sinners. I am the worst example of what things to do in a relationship. And the only reason that I'm up here today is because God's actually changed me. So today I want to go on a little journey, uncover some of those common expectations that I have seen in my own life. And I am not going to try to put on you anything that I haven't had to look at for myself and seen time and time again in people's relationships getting wrecked. And then we'll look what the Bible said about them, look what God's solution to them is. And some of these things may be a little ouchy, okay? It may be a little uncomfortable, but I just want to ask you, stay with me on the journey because I promise I will bring it around in the end. Okay, you with me? Okay, expectation number one. I expect to marry a virgin. This may sound silly, but let me tell you how common this is, even though it may be put into other words. In other words, it may be, I expect my spouse, my partner to be perfect. And if you will only marry a virgin or expect your spouse to be perfect, it may be because that you don't actually believe that you yourself have been fully forgiven. So that you think that you need to be perfect in order to be loved, so you measure others by the same yardstick. Let's see what the Bible said about it. Okay. So in Matthew, it says, but if you do not forgive others of their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. For in the same way you judge others, you too will be judged. Luke 7:47, he who has been forgiven much also loves much. If you still see yourself as broken by the same measure you judge yourself, you will always be judging others. It becomes impossible to fully forgive others when you don't believe that you've been forgiven. If you haven't been fully transformed by God's love, it is impossible for you to extend it. We love because he first loved us, and I need to, I need to be able to accept his forgiveness. And if I'm willing, unwilling to extend it, I need to check myself to see if I believe that I still need to earn it from God. Because if I think I need to earn it from God, other people are going to need to earn it from me. And it will wreck, wreck relationships. And I become like a Teflon surface to God's forgiveness when I'm in that state. His forgiveness comes towards me and whoop, falls right off. I'm like a nonstick pan. I cannot receive what I am unwilling to extend. You following me? Okay, expectation number two, you expect you will change when you meet the one. Big nope, it does not work that way. I didn't go from being a sex and porn addict jacked up in all sorts of ways to being an honest, loving, devoted husband and father like that when I met Jenny, I had to be healed first, and that took God, and that also took community. James 3.16, f- 
confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. God's cornered the market on salvation. He gives us community. He gives us the ministry of healing. We actually need each other to heal. I need to work out my healing in communities. So if you believe you can change when you meet the one, you are deceived. If you don't change first, you will sabotage that relationship when you meet them. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And then the rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. When I'm not living right, it doesn't just affect my life. It affects the lives of those around me. You guys okay? Okay, don't worry. Remember I told you that we'd get to the solution eventually, but we got a few more to go. Expectation number three. You expect to God to deliver your person on your schedule. This is a common place where people try to manipulate God. I have seen this wreck so many friends, take them out of church, take them out of community and completely destroy their lives. Let me tell you, God does not care about your schedule. He cares about you. It doesn't matter how good You've been, if your heart is jacked up, God is not going to deliver you a relationship that is going to, that you are going to wreck or is going to wreck you. If I'm not letting him into my heart, I am postponing my own breakthrough. God isn't going, God isn't, isn't holding back. He's not the one that's doing it. He's not withholding. He is waiting. So your breakthrough doesn't break you. So if you're saying or even thinking, my purity has an expiration date. If God doesn't bring me my person by this time, I'm just going to go out into the world, go on Tinder, go on Bumble, go wherever and find me a person and I'm going to sleep around and I'm going to show him. Your heart's jacked up. Newsflash. God needs to change your heart first or you will wreck your relationship. I'm not telling you this because I want to call you out or make you feel uncomfortable. I'm telling you this because I needed to learn this. If I had gotten the relationship that I wanted, my life would be a disaster. But instead, I waited, got healed, and I got a beautiful, wonderful, incredible, life-giving wife. So Abram and Sarai heard God audibly. And let me make this clear. When people say, I heard God, it's usually not a booming voice from the heavens. It's a thought that clears my mind that's like, wow, where did that thought come from? God, is that you? Abram and Sarai heard God's booming voice from the heavens telling Abram that he was going to be the father of nations. And they waited 
but they weren't willing to wait long enough to really trust. And then their faith had an expiration date and they tried to make it happen on their own. And that created a huge problem. His name was Ishmael. And the people of Israel are still dealing with the repercussions of that decision 4,000 years later. James 1.2 said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Still with me? Okay. Expectation number four. You expect that you will be rejected for your past. I have believed this. I believe that my past completely disqualified me from a healthy, beautiful marriage, from being a father, And it would certainly have disqualified me from being a pastor, but (laughs) what the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. And when you are willing, when you are willing to give him your testimony, no matter how broken your past was, he will find a way to use it to set the captives free. So I know many guys and girls who feel unworthy, so they go and date outside the church, and they make excuses. Well, nobody in church is really going to accept me, so I've got to go find my happily ever else, my happily ever after elsewhere. And I've, I'm, I just can't tell you how broken I've seen so many of those things end up, and people come back with all of this wreckage that then needs to be healed. Do it right first, and just trust that God is going to bless it. There's also couples that are like, haha, we've got some ish. We don't want our ish to be exposed, so we're not going to go to that connect group. We're not really going to be open. We're just going to show up to church, check the box, bring our kids, and then go live our jacked up lives by ourselves, because if anybody saw our ish, they would reject us. God said it's not good for man to be alone. It's also not good for couples and families to be isolated. We're meant to be in community. That's where the healing happens. I need to bring my jacked up heart and my jacked up body into community so God can heal me. Okay. Expectation number five. You expect that you will be understood without being direct. Single guys, anybody, any single guys here? I see a couple of hands and some just being like this. So, okay, single guys, this is for you. If you say to a girl, hey, I'd like to hang out. She does not know what you mean. Does he want to hang out? Does he like me? I'm so confused. Let me give you a lesson, real quick one. If you are romantically interested in a girl, go to her and say, hey, I would like to take you out to dinner or lunch or coffee or whatever. Would you like to go out with me? Yes? Oh. (laughs) Wow. Okay, great. So how about next Saturday? Cool. Next Saturday noon, I'll pick you up at your house. All right. It's a date. Okay. It's simple. It's simple. What does the Bible say about being indirect? This is Jesus' disciples saying to Jesus. His disciples said, finally, you're giving it to us straight, in plain talk, no more figures of speech. Now we know that you know everything. It all comes together in you. You won't have to put up with our questions anymore. 
We know you are from God. Okay, so guys, I know you're supposed to be more and more like Jesus as you're sanctified and growing in his image and likeness. This is not the place. If you're interested in a girl, don't talk to her in cryptic parables and expect her to understand she's not going to. Okay, moving on. Expectation number six. You expect you can fake it till you make it. God is not looking to create a bunch of fake Christians. He doesn't fake anything, and he's not also looking for you to just fall in line with your behavior. Changing your behavior won't change your heart, but a change of heart will change your behavior. Your internal world is always, an, your external world is always a reflection of your internal world. When you let him change your heart, no matter how stony, no matter how jacked up it is, God will heal and transform you for good. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart that I will also give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take away that stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. If we focus on our behavior, we will grow to hate God because we'll work so hard and we will work in vain to try to please a God that just never seems pleased enough with us. If we see him that way, though, we see him wrongly. And I can see from some of your faces that look a little bit confused that you want to know if you can't do anything to please him, what do you do? Don't worry, two more to go. Expectation number seven. You expect you can cut corners and still be blessed. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you just said that your behavior didn't matter. I did not say that. What I said is that he's after your heart. He does want your behavior to change, church and tithing, but you've got this whole other life. God is not going to, God is not going to bless the jacked up, jacked upness of your other life. I know that we're in process on this side of, of heaven, and I'm not giving this to you, not giving this to you hard, but you've got to, you've got to give him all of it. If you have stuff that's causing the sickness, if you're struggling to give up that thing, bring it to community. We have an amazing for somebody because I could not for somebody because I could not for somebody because I could not escape for somebody because I could not escape 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 this because I could not escape this because I could not escape this thought I could not escape this thought could not escape this thought while not escape this thought while I was preparing this message. If you're struggling with anxiety and you're also engaging in a lot of sexual immorality, God will not deliver you from your anxiety until you're willing to surrender your sexual immorality. You're not going to overcome anxiety while still engaging in that. And I'm serious. I could not escape this thought. And you know, I had crippling anxiety. I have gone to the hospital many times with panic attacks. And before I got saved, I did not think those two things were related at all. I thought I needed medication. I thought I needed holistic doctors. I didn't realize it at the time, but my panic attacks and my anxiety were like, not all panic attacks are related to this. So don't think I'm calling you out. If you just have anxiety, you can get delivered from that, but look at what's behind it. But if you are not living right, engaging in sexual immorality, watching porn, going to massage parlors, strip clubs, prostitutes, whatever it is, and you're suffering from anxiety, I believe God is telling you that they are related. And if you have a hard time giving that up, 
find somebody on pastoral care that's not going to expose you to the church, but is going to cover you and heal you so you can walk out that healing. And if you come up to the front and get prayer for saying, oh, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm dealing with this stuff, and you know that you've got that going on, you can get delivered from that anxiety. But if you don't clean up the stuff that is a, a, a stronghold to the enemy in your life, that spirit is going to come back, bring his friends, and you will feel worse. And if you've gone through deliverance, but not had a change of heart, which led to a change of behavior, and you keep going through the same thing, and, and you're in church, and you're like, oh my gosh, my life in church is so much worse than my life before, because you keep getting prayer, you keep getting delivered, and then these demons come back and bring your friends, stop it. I'm just telling you that there is freedom on the other side of it. So. James 1.8 says, not that let, let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, last one, expectation number eight, and then we'll get to the solution. You expect that you can figure it out on your own. Proverbs 19.20 to 21 says, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I had no idea how to have relationships. I thought the Bible was full of a bunch of outdated, antiquated rules that had no bearing on my life in the 20th century, and I continued to live a jacked-up life. But when I got saved, God removed the veil from my eyes, and I started to read the Bible, and I started to understand, like, oh my gosh, me doing it on my own has actually been the very thing that has jacked up my life. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 13, by far the most famous passage on love, he teaches us how to love right. And I'm not going to read through that whole passage, but I'm going to tell you that this is the solution to all your jacked up expectations. This is how to love right. And I want to break it down so you understand it. Paul breaks down love. He says there are two things that love is. Love is patient and love is kind. But that patience is not like, when are you going to change? That patience is the patience that a golden retriever has with a two-year-old who's like on its back, pulling its fur, biting its ear, kicking its side, saying, giddy up. And that golden retriever just lies there and takes it. It is like God's mercy. God withholds punishment from us. He loves us perfectly. And if that weren't enough, it says, while this is going on, pulling fur, biting, all of that, be kind. And the temptation in my flesh is to correct, not to be kind, not to be forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. It's to punish them. And that's just in my sin nature is to punish. Then God goes, then Paul goes through these other things that love is not, that love does not envy. I wish I had somebody else to love. Love does not parade itself. I am such a great person for being kind and patient. Love is not puffed up. Look at how selfless I am. Love doesn't behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not self-seeking. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. And then the eighth thing that Paul says love is not is love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
so there's eight things that he says that love is and eight things that he says love is not. But that last thing that he says love is not is the pivot point. And it's the power of the resurrection because it, it's, it's so amazing to me that eight is, the Bible signifies eight as being resurrection and regeneration. It's the number of a new beginning. It's seven plus one. And since it comes just after seven, which itself signifies an end to something, eight is associated with the beginning of a new era or a new order. It's when you're, when you're patient and kind, and then all of these things, not waiting for the other person to fail so you can rub it in their face. He says, Paul bears all things. And I can't bear the weight of another person's sin if I'm not filled with the power of the resurrection. If I don't have resurrection power for me, that, will, that sin will crush me. And I can't love properly without God's love. He says, we love because he first loved us, right? And so love bears all things, but with the power of the resurrection, Ooh, it changes because love also believes all things and believing all things for somebody that is really not behaving in a very lovely way is believing that God is faithful to complete the good work that he start, started in that person. And because he's faithful to complete it, that good person will, that person will eventually display everything that God says is true about them. So in the meantime, we can encourage them with saying like, that's not who you are. God says that you are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. You are a conqueror in Christ. In Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I can speak truth over people when I'm filled with the power of the resurrection and I can start to love correctly because I've been loved correctly by God. And that believes all things, I can hope all things. And uh, Hebrews 6, 19 says that hope is an anchor for my soul. It's not the wishy-washy hope of the world. Like I hope the Chargers come back to San Diego or the Padres make it to the World Series. Good luck with that. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the hope that I have in God is the surety that he will finish what he started. You know, in... Um, in a caterpillar is the full and complete DNA of a butterfly. And because that DNA is set in the caterpillar, it will eventually display all of the magnificent, beautiful qualities of a butterfly. In fact, that butterfly is already true when it's just a pathetic little fuzzy worm with legs. But because God has set the DNA, it will eventually develop into the magnificent qualities of a butterfly. There is nothing you can do to stop it, but to kill it. And we're the same way in God's revealed, God reveals himself in nature. You could say that God has a third book, the book of creation, because all of creation speaks to God's magnificent attributes. And when I look closely everywhere, I see God. And I see him in this caterpillar and I was wondering, the thought just crossed my mind, would it be possible for the caterpillar to develop more quickly? Is there anything that would speed up the process or make him stronger in the process? And I found out there actually is, that a lot of the way that the caterpillar develops has to do with temperature. And it's a very small window of temperature, only seven degrees on either side that you will either make the caterpillar stronger and more beautiful or you will end its life. But if, if it's four or five degrees warmer and only four or five degrees warmer, 
that caterpillar will develop more quickly. It'll go into chrysalis more quickly. And when it comes out, it will be stronger and more colorful than it would be otherwise. If the heat's turned up one or two degrees more though, that caterpillar grows quickly, but it becomes weird. It turns brown, it loses all of its coloring. And I think that there are some people, like Paul says in, in this verse in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, he says that where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is prophecy, it will cease. That the, the thing that remains is love. And I'm saying it's so good when I'm filled with God's love to go after tongues and prophecy. But if I'm going after God's power without having God's love, I'm doing it wrong and I will end up weird. So when I can learn to love this way because I've been loved this way, my relationships start to flourish. I was resurrected by God's love and you can ask anyone that knows me that left to my own, there is no natural reason that I should even be here today. But God loved me and he used his people to love me back to life. God loves us unconditionally, but there are conditions on letting God's love transform you. You can't experience the resurrection power of God's love if you're not willing to let your old life die. There were beliefs, attitudes, behaviors, and relationships that I needed to let die. And in the process of being resurrected, it gave me this incredible new life that I have today. I had to let my addictions die. I had to surrender all of those addictions that were just illegitimate solutions to legitimate problems. And I needed to bring my legitimate problems to the foot of the cross and just say, God, please take these. And then he brought people around me to live out that healing that they loved me when I was wholly unlovable and loved me back to, to love and back to life. And if you're struggling with love, maybe it's because you've forgotten your first love. Or maybe you've never even, even known and maybe your problems in love are because you've gotten far away from Jesus. You might be in church, you might be serving, you might be doing, you might be trying to please him, but you're like the guy that has the expectation of if I'm perfect, then I'm lovable and it's not true. Or maybe you've never actually fully known him. You've known about him, you've heard about him, you've ended up here and you've been like, well, I know about Jesus, I'm probably good, I can go to church, right? But there's something that you've heard today that's given you pause and you know that you need to give your heart to him fully. So in the last couple of minutes that we have together, can I get all of you, and I mean really all of you, to close your eyes and bow your heads? If you fall into either of those two categories, if you've forgotten that Jesus first loved you or you might be in church but away from him and you've developed some expectations that have been destroying your relationships and holding you back and you know you need to come back to Jesus and let him show you how to love the right way or maybe you've realized today that you've heard of Jesus, know about him, but if you've never actually given your heart to him and you know that you need to, I wanna give you an opportunity to ask him into your life. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this sacred moment of prayer, if you fall into either of those two categories, I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand so I can pray with you, okay? One, two, three. Is there anybody like that in there? God bless you, 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 God bless you. Hands going up all over 
all over this place. Praise God. All right. So I want to pray for you. And while every head is still bowed and every eye is still closed, I want everybody else who didn't raise their hand to join me in prayer so we can be the great cloud of witness, witnesses welcoming these people that have just surrendered their lives into community. Will you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you so loved me. You sent Jesus Christ, your only son, on a rescue mission to save my life. I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. I thank you that your death on the cross has wiped away all my sin. Today I declare I am forgiven. I am clean, washed, brand new, and born again. I declare that heaven is my home and God is my father. I ask you today, Lord, search me. Expose the lies that I've believed, the expectations that I've had, and bring me into loving, healthy community so I can grow healthy and strong. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.